Welcome to In House, the stage door podcast that explores the ins and outs of London's most exciting and innovative theatres. My name is Mark Shanton, and this week I'm at the Barbican Centre, where I'm joined by Head of Theatre Tony Racklin. Hi, Tony. We've realised well, we've known each other for quite some time, haven't we? We have, Mark. We go back a long way. About 30 years, oh, I think. Oh, no, don't put that on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, because you, you came, from, obviously you've been here at the Barbican since uh, for 22 years, I think now, yes. 1996 you joined. Uh, as head of theatre since 2010. But before that, you st- we first encountered each other in commercial theatre. Yes. I worked um, in the commercial world, which was a fantastic opportunity to, to get a sort of inside view on how that all operates, because it was very different from the other jobs I had previously, which was firstly at the Roundhouse in Chalk Farm, and then at the Unicorn and Lyric Hammersmith. So it was all a very different direction. So you've worked in subsidised and commercial. Absolutely, Which, yes. which is uh, an interesting bridge, um, because... The Barbican is, of course, a subsidised venue. You, you get a lot of money from the Corporation of London, yes. who um, own the centre. Um, but they've been, they've been very nurturing landlords, haven't they? Because they, 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 they built the centre as an art centre, multi-purpose art centre, as a crown jewel in the city of London. Um, but they, they, they want this place to be their showpiece. Uh, absolutely. I mean, they're actually very, very supportive of arts in this uh, side of the city, There are some other small institutions that are supported by various funds from them. But yes, the the City of London Corporation owns and manages the the Barbican itself. Yeah, which of course is a multidisciplinary arts centre. Yes. Kind of unique in London. It is unique. I mean, what they say is that it was designed in the 60s, built in the 70s and opened in the 80s. So this wonderful brutalist architecture is really, um, which perhaps in the early days wasn't really liked very much, is now very, very iconic. Um, Indeed, great to listed even. Absolutely. And it is stunning. And um, there are often photo shoots and architectural tours because it is such a kind of significant reference as, as a centre. But within it... We're all under one roof, and there are um, theatre and dance, which is the area that I look after, classical and contemporary music, which is mainly in the hall, and some other sort of off-site venues looked after by colleagues, the cinema programme, the visual arts programme. There are two art galleries. There's the, the main Barbican Gallery, and then there's the Curve, which um, offers commissions to different artists to respond to the sort of unusual space because it's a it literally is a curve that wraps behind the concert hall, and then there's a whole creative learning program. And there's also the library, of course, which, is, is, a, which is another part of Absolutely. the centre. So it's, it's interestingly, Story House in Chester, uh, I don't know if you've been up there yet, but it's actually the, the library for Chester, which has been um, uh, converted out of an old cinema, old Odeon cinema, and it now is also acting as a multi-purpose arts centre with theatres, with a library, and the library actually exists in all parts of the, the building. I mean, it offers the most fantastic uh, sort of way of operating really. I think in the very, very early days, the Barbican, each kind of department was very uh, territorial and just uh, worked on their own programs. But now we're very holistic, very organic. We have weekly meetings and we look, we sort of share programming ideas into the future and we work to, um, there's also an annual theme 
that we all program to, but it doesn't mean that everything is programmed to the theme. It's like a very loose thread, an invisible thread that joins up all the art forms uh, and departments in the centre as a way to kind of make a journey for the audiences. So this year, it's Art of Change, and there have been many um, projects looking at the kind of how arts and artists can reflect society. Yes. And then next year, 2019, we're looking at how technology and humanity kind of interact. Right. And that's also, I mean, that's a very live thing in theatre. Yes. Because technology has redefined the way theatre is done. If we think about the brilliant publicity show that happened here, The Encounter, uh, that show was so technologically driven, wasn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. But you'll see it reflected in all the different art forms as well. And it, it... it won't necessarily be just in the kind of the, the physical the execution execution yeah. of the show, but also in the content. You know, how has science and developments in technology, how is it affecting our own lives and the way we, we live in a very kind of personal way? Yeah. So we'll be looking at things like families, uh, ageing. Uh, fertility, you know, many, many different aspects. So do you commission work to fulfil that brief or do you go and find work that already fulfils that brief? It's absolutely a mixture because interestingly, when we find the theme that seems to speak to us all the most strongly, there seems to be an incredible synergy with artists around the world who are all working with the same kind of idea. So we're able to tap into other things um, and the work that's actually already being made in different places. And we do commission work as well, absolutely, yes. yes. We'll talk in some more detail later about what some of the highlights of the the, the next year season, because I've seen a sneak preview of it and it looks very exciting. Um, But um, just let's let's go back a little bit um, to... um, the way the 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 centre used to operate in sort of little uh, departments of its own. Of course, the way it was set up, it had some anchor tenants. One of the anchor tenants for the theatre was the RSC. It was built for the RSC at, under their specification. In fact, they That's they right. designed the theatre. Yes. Um, and the RSC are now a fundamental part of the Barbican again, which is very thrilling um, because, as we say, this is where it all started for them. In a sense, the RSC leaving here created this huge opportunity. It did. I mean, it happened in stages. First, they left for six months of the year. And that gave us, uh, for the first few years, we programmed international work, exclusively international work, for, f- for six months of the year. So the RSE still were in residence and they managed the theatre, but we uh, were like the tenants. And we brought in, we started to bring in all these different international companies. And then in 2002, they left the building completely. So we were um, faced with the challenge of programming year round, 12 months of the year. And that's a very different proposition because bringing in international companies is a very, very expensive um, operation. And And also there isn't necessarily enough work to sustain 12 months of every year. You need to kind of find the right things and and they're not always available so you need to think about future years. So we we do work with a lot of British companies 
um, who or UK-based companies who have international profiles. Like Complicity, for instance. Complicity, Cheat by Jowl. Um, there was Ridiculismus. There were... I'm going to go blank now, but many, many other companies that we formed relationships with that uh, we presented because they were known internationally. So we we were sort of um, bridging that kind of area. And this could become their London home, effectively. Yes. Um, A lot of those relationships have evolved. And um, we have um, three artistic associates who we uh, co-commission their work. They are very closely affiliated to the Barbican. That is Boy Blue, the um, hip-hop dance company, Michael Clark Company, contemporary dance company, and Cheat by Jal, in fact, are one of our artistic associates. But we've also got very, very close relationships with some international companies who do also consider this their London home for their foreign language drama, like Tunil Group Amsterdam, who've now been called International... Theatre Amsterdam. Some, yes. <laughs> and the Schaubühne Berlin and Complicity um, have found a home here. And... Um, so you said you said you have um, it, it's a, sometimes it was a challenge to program twelve uh, months of the year, yes. but now presumably you've got people. Um, if, if you've got few, too few weeks if with all those companies, it, it does feel like that, and it's very difficult to sometimes say no to work that feels right for us because there is no space, but it doesn't quite sit right in the program. Yeah. It's um, but there is. We're, we're approached now by a lot of people. We obviously go out to festivals and we've got long-standing relationships where we continue to, to see what the companies are doing so that we can maintain those relationships. But we're always looking uh, to introduce new work into the programme, but also keep the um, regular visitors coming because the audiences know that they can see that work yes, here. Yes, yes. Um, so a lot of your job is travelling, is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> to see productions all over the world. Yes. I do a lot of travelling. Other members of my team also uh, go and see specific areas of work that they are focused on. For instance, young people's work or um, dance or, yes. you know, different aspects of work. And we have regular programming meetings, and um, we're plotting actually three years ahead. I mean, a lot of those big touring companies, and, and the thing is, it's um, we have a very strange setup in terms of our theatre venues. We have this epic 1,100-seater Barbican theatre, and then we have the tiny pit theatre with 100 seats. We have nothing in between. Yes. So the range of work we're looking at is very, very specific. Yes. Um, there's no mid-scale. There's yeah. no mid-scale. And um, that offers us a great great opportunities, but also some considerable challenges. Yes. Um, another thing that you can do as an art centre is you can programme uh, sort of themes. Um, so um, last year you did a, a big Eva van Hove um, residency. Yes, we did. We did. So across the year you had several productions by yeah. him. Yes, and we've also done things like have an international Beckett season. So we brought together across the year. They don't all have to be programmed in a very... Back-to-back. Um, back-to-back, like a festival. They can be spread across the year we've done an international Beckett festival an international Ibsen festival so we have those kind of opportunities because 
as I say, there are artists all around the world looking at similar things and yes. we can bring them together. And also you're able to, because you have the cinema, um, for instance, if you do a, a Beckett Festival or an Ibsen Festival, you can show Beckett and Ibsen films exactly. alongside that. So it all becomes very um, organic. That's right. And that's the fantastic opportunity. And with music too, we find a lot of ways to collaborate closely together because of course the hall is just amazing but what they can't do is fully staged opera so we can work together doing and offer them the theatre for, yes. for an opera or, or we'll work together on, on curating something and then we'll put it in the theatre and and the theatre team will yeah. kind of deliver it. And one of the things interesting about the um, your annual report of last year, which is just coming out, um, is that your you had your sort of highest attendance in history. Um, I think it's uh, one point three million yes. people came through yes. came through the centre. Well, um, we had an extraordinary year. It's one of those, you know, it's not necessarily something that gets repeated year on year, but we had the amazing Jean Michel Basquiat exhibition, right. which was hugely popular and um, was sellout. We also had Obsession, which Evo Van Hover directed with Jude Law. Yes. And so it, it was a kind of, and there were other things happening all around which kind of bring in lots of people to us, which is fantastic. But I also love the statistic that they said after you had artists from 48 nations and audiences from 101. Yes. Um, that's very internationalist. I mean, that you know, the West End looks west to Broadway, pretty much. But, and we famously in Britain do not look very well to Europe um, in terms of theatre things. Um, and yet this is very much a European-facing art centre. Yes, very much. I mean, our kind of mission statement is um, arts without boundaries. Yes. And that becomes more and more important, doesn't it, yeah. as we go forward? Yes, yes, exactly. Um, let's, let's dig into some of the detail now of um, some of the, the, the regulars you have here. So, I mean, now RSC are back here as a yes. regular. We've got them coming. Uh, they're about to do a season now in October. Yes, they are. And we work together. Again, this is different from the past relationship with them. We work very collaboratively together. We plan the seasons. We see what opportunities we can find within them to do creative learning work, to tap into cinema, you know, because they do a lot of their life from Stratford-upon-Avon, and that can be shown here. We look, we're looking at some smaller scale work for the future as well. So, yes, there, there are some very interesting things in the pipeline. So, so they're bringing a, a, a package of three Shakespeare's immediately. Yes. Um, what's interesting is that the RSC also, of course, also going to the West End. They're taking their Don Quixote to the West End at yes. the same time. Um, is there a tension in that? In that they've... No, not at all. I think different shows sit right in different theatres yeah. and all it can do is complement. Yes. You know, the audience here will be aware of Don Quixote and likewise the traffic should come the other way around as well. And let us never forget that the RSC's biggest ever hit, um, in fact the West End's biggest ever hit, but the, the show that's run the longest in the West End, apart from The Mousetrap, the longest running musical, Les Arab, began in the theatre. It did, it did, and of course they've got Matilda as well in the West End. Yes. So all those things I think help to build a very big picture of a very um, exciting company. And I think that's what is very key about all of us and our peers is that we all have very distinctive USPs, yes, for want of yes. a better description. And, and that's what helps us 
distinct, you know, distinguish ourselves for our audiences. Yes, exactly. So the yes. audience know what they're going to get yes. at a particular. And menu. I think in some ways you don't know what you're going to get when you come to the barbecue, and a lot yes. of it is is new uh, companies you may never have experienced before, but. By bringing them uh, into focus in London, that is part of our remit. Yes. And other um, regular visitors, we said Cheek by Jowl. Yes. Um, which is... Uh, Declan Donnelly De- De- and Nick Ormrod. Who've, who've been established for a very long time. Yes. Um, that company's been around longer than, as long as the Barbican, I think. I, I think it has. And what's really exciting about the way we work with them is not only do we bring their um, English-speaking ensemble... We also work with their Russian ensemble and their French ensemble. Yes. And that absolutely taps in to they're, what they like to present. They're yeah. a truly international company. They really they? are. Yeah. They really and are. major theatre artists, both of them. Yes, so. very, very um, uh, admired. And um, the work of Cheek by Jowl is really, really important, I think, for theatre students. And being able to offer the different types of ensemble gives us a very rich offer. Yes, absolutely. And they, they on this next year, they're, they're bringing um, their collaborations with uh, Moscow Pushkin Drama yes. Theatre. Yeah. Um, so so they, they've got a couple of shows coming. Um, One show, they're doing Night of the Burning Pestle. Yes. But and the Pushkin Company are, are bringing their own shows. Yes, yes. So it's a very interesting year. They're going to be quite present across the programme. Yeah. Have they been before? Pushkin? No, not no. here. No. Right, because you've had lots of Russian companies, but not, but not yes. Pushkin. Yes. Right. And they're bringing Cherry Orchard and Good Person of Swan. And also something into the pit theatre. Yes, yes, amazing. Um, and then, of course, uh, you also bring in Complicite, as there has been a regular um, yes, tenant here. But have they got something this year? Yes. Um, uh, Complicity are working in association with a newly formed company, Wayward Productions, and they're bringing Ender Walsh's... Uh, he has directed an adaptation of the book called... Grief is the thing with feathers. Oh yes, which is starring Killian Murphy. Right, right. Which is, um, that premiered in Ireland earlier this year, and it comes to us next year, and um, it's really a stunning piece of work. And that's interesting, bringing in Killian Murphy here, because one of the great things about the Larkin that sets you apart from um, other theatres is that, by and large, it's not star-driven here. I mean, we've had stars, but it's not the reason you come here. No, it's not necessarily the reason, but when they are here, it's because they are completely committed to the work that they're coming in with. Yes. Um, so we've had some wonderful Kate Blanchett, Juliette Binoche, Isabelle Huppert, Jude Law we talked about, Benedict Cumberbatch, all coming in for different reasons, through different avenues, but very much committed to the piece of work that brings them to our to our stage. Yes, I mean Blanchett uh, did an, uh, an amazing Boto Strauss yes. piece here, yes. uh, which was phenomenal. I mean, uh, that's the thing you, when you're sort of thinking about the Barbican and the times I've been coming here. Uh, you think about those astonishing events like that, and also, of course, Eva van Hove. The first time I saw saw his work ever was um, seeing Roman tragedies the first time around here in 2009, um, and then you brought that back as part of the season last year. But that was my But also what I'm very, very pleased about is that because of the regular visits by Evo's ensemble and Thomas Ostermeyer's ensemble with the Schaubühne, we've introduced actors who now are more familiar to British audiences like Lars Eindinger from the Schaubühne. He played Richard III and Hamlet with that company, Um, making those 
people more familiar to London audiences is important. Not to mention critics, because I was in a fascinating article in The Guardian a few weeks ago naming five or six European directors whose uh, work uh, should be better known here. And I looked at the list, I didn't recognise a single one of their names. Well, I've seen work by all of them, <laughs> and bit by bit, we hope to bring them here, yes. And sort of another example of our apparent insularity in this yeah. country, that we, 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 know, we, we follow our own directors and we follow Broadway directors, but right. European directors are hard, few and far between. Yes, and we need to really open the window on the world, and, and those names need to be equally familiar to us. Yeah. Um, and also the other thing that's key to, to what you guys do is supporting the next generation of emerging artists. Yes. We have open labs. Uh, it gives you access to time in the pit theatre and some resources to develop new work. The pit is very much a kind of lab for helping support emerging artists. And we use it in different ways for R&D, the open labs I've mentioned. We also have a new initiative called the Pit Party, where we'll invite an artist um, to curate a kind of weekend of activity for all ages, uh, all kinds of different activity, but they bring in as part of their party um, or a range of different artists, spoken word artists, dance artists, theatre artists, whatever they feel speaks to their own um, remit. So Jess Tom, in fact, did the first pit party. It was called Brewing in the Basement, and it started off daytime with activities for families. It broke out of the pit walls and found its way into the Barbican foyers, and then the evening was dancing and poetry and all sorts of different performance. And we've had different pit parties um, by Studio 3 Arts, who are based in Barking and Dagenham, Transform, who are based in Leeds, and we've got one coming up with uh, Inua Elam soon, and we've had one um, by Nitro Beat. So they're very, very different in... um, in character. I had one of the most extraordinary nights of my life in the pit when Ducky did that sleepover oh, show. Lullaby. Um, <laughs> um, it was, uh, we, we arrived, we checked in at, uh, what was it, 10pm and, yes. uh, um, and uh, basically we were put to sleep with a, with a theatre show and uh, in a big giant, uh, sort of a bit like a, 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 a giant dormitory. Um, I remember uh, my then colleague Charlie Spencer getting very irate at the, the whole experience. He wrote the most one of those poisonous reviews he'd ever because he his snoring had woken up his his uh, the people in the next bed and and they they they, they he's found it utterly humiliating. But it was it was truly groundbreaking in terms of to spend a night sleeping in a theatre. Absolutely, and then all have breakfast together in our green room. Yes. Um, no, the pit is a fantastic space to allow artists to really. Um, imagine different yes. ways of what theatre can be. That's exactly what it's for. Yes, exactly. And then another show that um, I think I told you about for my, my, <laughs> myself first, but you brought this last year, um, Taylor Mack, an extraordinary New York performance artist who, who's done this extraordinary show at 24 Decade History of Popular Music, um, which uh, it's, it's, it's eight three-hour shows, one hour for each uh, decade since America was founded in 1776. Um, um, and I, talking of sleepovers, I actually attended and told you about attending yes. the 24-hour show of that, performance of that. So yes. it started at 12 noon on Saturday, ended at 12 noon on Sunday. Um, and 
during the course of which he sang 246 songs and every single time he took a pee break so did I and every time I came back into the auditorium he was back on stage already singing he is a phenomenal artist so so you brought uh, one of the three hours of that yes we did we did that with lift and thank you very much for planting that seed in my mind because it was a massive undertaking to bring that because it requires lots and lots of different participants to uh, populate each decade. But he created the most extraordinary community within our thousand-seat theatre. I've never seen anybody do that before. That is what's amazing about the show, is the sense of participation and community you yes. get by being part of it. Yes. Um, and... and a 24-hour show sounds like a lot of work, but actually, but actually, and, and, you know, stay, actually, physically to stay up, the endurance to stay up. But if the show keeps you so busy, it, it's the audience, you know, throw ping pong balls at each other because they're enacting the Civil War and things like that. It's, it sounds silly, but it's actually rather extraordinary. It is extraordinary, it's, and it's very political. Yeah, and it does really give you food for thought. Yeah. So you have plans to bring back some of the other parts? Maybe, no, maybe not that because um, it depends what his own plans after that but I would certainly like to bring Taylor back here again yeah uh, Taylor Mack is also having a Broadway play this season yes. which is kind of extraordinary I've sat I remember sitting in St Anne's Warehouse this was two years ago thinking this artist could yet go mainstream and lo and behold here we are Taylor Mack has written a play that's going to be produced on Broadway with Nathan Lane and Andrea Martin I mean Broadway royalty I think he is I mean, he got something that's called the Genius Award. Yes. And I think he probably deserves yes. that title. But then, you know, you work with a lot of genius. Yes, we do. I mean, Simon Bernie, there's, there's no bigger genius in British theatre than Simon I agree. Bernie. I agree with yeah. you. He really, really is. Um, and each show that he's brought here has been totally different in, in character to the last one. And each time he is um, charting new territory in... Uh, in what it, you know, what he brings us yeah. and how he interprets the stories. And the same is also true of Eva, Eva van Hove. I mean, uh, the uh, the extra- I mean, as I say, the first time I'd ever seen his work was Roman Tragedies Here, mm-hmm. uh, and then since then he's totally mainstreamed. I mean, Network International, but still true to his original ideals. Um, he's, he he works so. in, the, in the in the way that he's always worked. Um, creating a new work with him here with uh, uh, last year with Obsession that was a, a, a big deal for you guys it was it? a big deal and we'd done it two years previously with Antigone and then what we do is we reverse the journey so um, we take the show out internationally so Antigone went all over Europe and all over America that which was, was with Juliette Binoche yeah. and then with Jude Law what we did was we had three British actors and three of Evo's own ensemble yes. working together. And then we took that show to Vienna, Amsterdam and um So you were a touring you were a touring partner? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well we made the show yes, yes. and then we took it out on, yes. on tour. Yes. Yeah. So back to some of the other highlights of uh the, the two thousand nineteen season. We've already spoken about Moscow Pushkin and Cheek Baidel. Um the um the, the, the Tunil group or rather International Theatre Amsterdam production is Simon Stone, another big hugely emerging artist um, yes. from Australia. But but obviously just as, as he's been cherry-picked for big old, for work outside of Australia in his yes. own company, he's now been cherry-picked by, by uh, Amsterdam. That's true. And he came here first with The Wild Duck from the, the, the Belvoir yes. in Sydney, brought to us. 
And then, of course, he did Yerma, which really put him in the public eye. And the young Vic, which then went to the um, Park Avenue Armory. Yes. yes. And now this is him working again with um, the Chenille Group uh, Ensemble. And it's his version of Medea because what he does is he really sort of rewrites the classics and directs them and um, I, yeah, I, I, I can't find words to describe it it needs to be seen yeah it's happening like Yoma was I mean it was, it was actually a, a brand new version yes. of that story yes a uh, different, totally different take on it mm. um, and then uh Ursula Martinez um, coming back with a, a wonderful show that she did 20 years ago, um, A Family Outing. Uh, well, it's called 20 Years On because uh, in the interim, her father passed away. So she's now doing it alone with her mother, who is 80 plus years old. Yeah. And it will, this is part of our Life Rewired season, which is the one that looks at science and technology and how the arts are affected by that. Because ageing is very much at the heart of scientific endeavour. You know, how our lives are extended and enhanced and hopefully improved. And so this will be both a very intimate portrait and it will be very interesting to see how they look back on the show that they yeah. made together 20 years ago, but also how they look forward. Ursula Martinez was also part of another great night at the Barbican for me, uh, Seth Barbican, which was the, oh. the, the Ducky show, yes. um, where uh, it, was a, it was a smorgasbord cabaret, basically, evening where you ordered acts to yes. perform at your um, at your table. Uh, kind of extraordinary. So Ursula was one of the uh, the acts. She, she did that. Um, she did her extraordinary uh, dipping um, uh, salsa, salsa into into a bowl that was located. That actually was Miss High Leg Kick who did that. Oh, that was. Yes. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. I, I apologise. That's quite a skill. It's quite a skill what she did. <laughs> but the, but the even voice story. And won an Olivier Award that show. He did. And I was at the Olivier Awards that that night. And most people had not heard of the show. And I was explaining to them what had happened during the course of the show. And I was telling them about Boogaloo Stew Wanks for You. Uh, and this is an act in which Boogaloo Stew, who's a cabaret artist, uh, arrived at your table. You ordered this act, which was called Boogaloo Stew Wanks for You. And he had this giant um, um, dildo, um, which he proceed to jerk off um, and and come all over the table. I know, but he had handed out ponchos before. He had. <laughs> so there was, there was no risk of being yeah. contaminated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, um, I think it showed amazing imagination on the part of the Olivier judges yes. to give the award to that company because it, it, it was very, very special. But I, I love the idea that the centre encompasses high art and low art like that. Is that low art? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, it's a very, very broad offer, but it all actually connects in different ways to itself. There are journeys through the programme. It isn't random. It's very sort of strategically uh, put together in terms of what we hope we're presenting. Yeah, so there's a there's a through line. There is. Um, and we haven't mentioned, but your predecessor as the head of theatre was Louise Jeffries, yes. who, who now is, in fact, the, 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 the chief of the centre. Well, she is the director of arts, yes. yes. And uh, Louise has the overview on all the different art forms um, and helps to bring us all together. She chairs the weekly meetings where we, we all exchange ideas. 
but she is very hands off the program right. in practical terms, but really sets the agenda and um, ensures that we yeah. go forward. So, having done your, your job, having been in this, this office herself, she 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 has an intimate knowledge of the way of this, this one works. Of course, um, yes, she does. But obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a gift of a job for for somebody who loves theatre. It, it is probably the best. Um, I know there would be peers of mine who would dispute that, but it is actually a privilege to get to work with all the different artists and the team here at the Barbican are fantastic. So you're here for the foreseeable future. I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we just love coming here. So oh. this is one of my favourite venues um, in London. Oh, um, that's wonderful. Uh, I don't get here nearly enough. Yes. Well, thank you very much for sharing uh, you, uh, time today. Uh, to all of you theatre goers out there, if you're excited by the brilliant work coming up here, then you can follow the Barbican on the Stage Door app, as well as the activities of the RSC and uh, other companies like Complicite. Thanks again for joining me, Tony. And until next time, thank you all for listening. Thank you.